0: You are listening to Church Unlimited Students, a ministry of Church Unlimited. If God is speaking to you through this podcast, we encourage you to share this resource with your friends. And make sure to connect with us on social media by following at Students. Thank you for listening to Church Unlimited Students. But Black Friday, you see some of the craziest situations, and we'll go—we will go sleepless just to get the deal of a lifetime. Let me show you some Black Friday situations that have happened, and these are true situations. Is going to be enough cards? Maybe. Can you imagine like being a part of that? I've been a part of those crowds before, and it is like exhilarating, crazy, and stupid all at the same time. But it's crazy to watch. What if? All right, just imagine with me for just a second. I like doing what ifs. What if y'all were that excited to get into stu- services on Wednesday night? You are. Like two people are like, yeah, I am, and the rest are like, you ended my nine-square game. I wanted to clock you. Like I can't understand that happens, but. Listen, I know, yes, I understand, Jay's. Uh but at the same time, listen, like, we get super excited about things that are sometimes important, but maybe not as important as the main thing. And like, if we got that passionate and brought our friends around that much, like, it would be crazy. All right, how many of y'all go to Caffey Middle School? You guys are some sick little freaks. Here's why, here's why. There's a, So how many, I saw you today. How many of y'all were there today when I saw y'all today? Handing out freeze pops? Well, all of y'all saw me because I saw most of y'all there. All right, so I'm handing out some freeze pops after school, and I felt like it was Black Friday, and I had, like, the 50-inch TV for a dollar. These kids were attacking me. I saw these young people, like, and so Deacon's with me. My little son, you see my redhead son? He's about yay tall, big curly hair. Um, so he's with me, and he has, like, a big long strand of eight. And I I look away for a second. He's holding it. I'm getting ready to cut the tops off. And as I'm cutting it, people would stick their hand out and grab one and almost cut, like, all kinds of people's hands. I'm like, I'll cut your finger off, bro. Um, But so Deacon's holding the big, like, eight-pack, and he's holding it there for me to cut it. And I look away and look back, and it's gone. I'm like, Deacon, did you eat it? And he's like, this hand came out of nowhere. I'm like hold on to it son and I'm like when to get mad at him but he's like 8 and they're like 13 and I'm like they're not gonna, he's not going to hold it from him but it was hilarious but these, these students were crazy I'm like y'all need to chill out over these freeze pops okay but here's the thing we get passionate about some things and let me give you some examples that are people that are extremists has anybody ever seen like Islamic ex- extremists what about 9-11 they did it in the name of God yes They did. What about car bombers that we hear about almost daily in London and and Uganda and all kinds of different places? They do this in the name of their faith. Now, these people are idiots and stupid, and they don't know God. But at the same time, they've got a different urgency than we have. And so I don't want to say I respect them. I don't want to say I appreciate them because they're crazy and evil and they need to be shot for what they do because they kill hundreds and thousands of people in the name of God. But at the same time, like, their passion exceeds our passion, and we know the true God. Let me give you another example. These guys are kind of interesting. They're fun. The nicest people you ever meet in the world. Have you ever seen these guys before? Yeah, somebody said, Mormon! Yeah, like fun. My, I got a friend, he's Mormon. He's the coolest, nicest guy I've ever met in my life. His name's Skyler. He's even got a cool name. Like, if he came in this room, every one of you would flock to him. He's the coolest dude ever. Uh, he's Mormon. He's done the uh, the Mormon missionary. Let me, let me kind of explain what these guys are. So when they hit 19 years old, they're kind of expected. It's kind of a legalistic thing, which means you're kind of expected to. And if you don't go on a Mormon mission, you're kind of gonna be ostracized by the church, uh, by the LDS, the Latter-day Saint church, the Mormon church. Well, these guys raise anywhere from about eighteen dollars to $25,000 on their own or with their families, and they spend two years completely separated from life, social media, no cell phone or anything. We had a couple in our house the other day. We were telling them about Jesus, the true Jesus, and um, just breaking it down with them, sharing the gospel with them. They don't understand Jesus. And you're like, oh, no, 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 they worship Jesus. No, they actually don't. And the more you dig into this religion, it's not a denomination of Christianity, the more you dig into it, you're like, whoa. They believe some crazy stuff, and they really do. And I respect, but here's the thing. Like, the extremists, I don't respect them. I don't like them. I wish somebody would, anyway, we'll go into that. But these guys, like, I actually respect. Like, they're the nicest people in the world. They have some great values and all that kind of stuff. But I'm just like, I look at that, and they've got about 55,000 Mormon missionaries out there today. How many missionaries do we have out there? The Southern Baptist Church has about 5,000 and then there's lots of other missionaries all over, so let's say about 15,000 or something like that. But you've got these guys who are incredibly nice guys, they're great people, but at the same time, they're, they're teaching a false doctrine, a false Jesus. Somebody that we don't even know, that's not the Jesus that we know. And, and, but they're doing it with passion and urgency, yet, yet we're not, so, so I don't wanna, I don't wanna praise the, the extremists, they're crazy, but they're urgent about their faith, and, and the, they don't even have, they don't even have a real faith. And Mormons are incredible. But here's the thing, like, when it comes to Jesus Christ, our Jesus Christ, the one true living God, Jesus Christ, he's the best deal ever made in the history, of, in, in this world, on the planet. And we all have direct access to him, yet we're not excited about him. Sometimes, like, it's a drag to get to church. Sometimes it's a drag to actually read your Bible. Sometimes it's actually hard to walk with Jesus. And I get that, but these extremists, these Mormon missionaries, man, they... They're passionate about something. And they're completely wrong at the same time. So let's open up in prayer. And if you have your Bible or your app, the Version Bible app, you can open it up to Acts 8 is where we'll be reading in just a second. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, I just thank you so much for um, examples in life that we can learn from. Lord, I just thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much for this character, Stephen, who we're getting ready to learn from. I pray that our heart can be pricked, our heart can be changed, and we can have a desire to live for you who has changed us in the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. So, here's the thing about Stephen Stephen was just a servant, he was nobody special. Um, they actually, the, the preachers, the disciples of the day said, Hey, listen. We're too busy setting up chairs, like on a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning, like in the worship service. We're too busy setting up chairs and tables when we need to, like, be writing messages and preaching to people and telling them about Jesus. Let's pick some upstanding individuals, and they said this about Stephen. They said, he's a servant. They said he's, I'm sorry, they said he was of good reputation. He was full of the Spirit of God, and he was full of wisdom. And says, let's get this dude Stephen, and let's get him to help set up tables and chairs for us. And so he does that, and he ends up finding himself in a situation where he's preaching to the, like, the religious principles of the day. And so he's standing up, and he's kind of preaching. He's kind of hanging out. He just can't help but preach. And so listen to what it says in Acts. I can't even read which verse this is. Acts 6, 8 through something. It's up on the screen. I can't read it on my thing. Um, Acts 6, 9 through 10 says this. But one day some men from the synagogue of freed slaves, as it was called, called to debate him, started to debate him. So you got some religious principles, some like super, super religious people that know everything about the Jewish faith, which is where we came from in the Old Testament and everything. And so they're trying to debate with them, but none of them, this is what it says in verse 10, it says, none of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke. Like they couldn't hang with Stephen. This dude was a boss when it came to understanding his faith and sharing it. And so he's preaching in front of all these people, and they're getting ticked, but they couldn't argue with his knowledge about the Old Testament, which was their Bible, and then the story of Jesus, which was the entire Bible, which wasn't written yet. He was like the LeBron James of communicators. He was like the Tom Brainy of street quarter preachers. I mean, he was unbelievable whether he was sharing, and everybody was like, this dude is like, man, I can't argue him. But they're getting ticked because they know he's right and they don't like the fact that they're wrong. And so they get ticked and they dragged him to the Sanhedrin, which was more religious principles of the day. And so he walks into the principal's office, the Sanhedrin, and he just keeps on teaching. And so he goes through an entire chapter of the Bible, chapter seven, and he's just preaching through the Old Testament, explains it so they can understand it, ties the whole story together. It's pretty neat. You read that, you begin to understand the Old Testament a little bit more. And then he gets into a little bit of the New Testament and talks about Jesus. And he's standing in front of them and he gets a little, he gets a little feisty You ever met somebody that gets a little feisty, gets a little salty sometimes? You know what I'm saying? Like, somebody's pointing at themselves, Margaret, you don't need to point at yourself, girl. You're a good girl. Um, Like, you look at, somebody pointed at somebody that's a little salty sometimes. Like, out of nowhere, they just start yelling and screaming, and you're like, what happened? Okay, my daughter, London, she's amazing. But she's a little sinner. Um, And so, like, it'll be like dinner time or something like that. Mom will bring the food out, and she'll be sitting there, and she's like, She's in the best mood, we're just playing, I don't know what we're doing, we're playing Uno, we're playing Uno at the dinner table last night. And then the food comes out and she's like, I ain't eating this. This is disgusting, bleh. I'm like, if you wanna see daylight tomorrow, young lady, you better get your head in the game. And I'm like, what? who is this? What'd you do with my daughter? I'm like, what in the world? Like she just gets salty out of nowhere and it just happens. Well, Stephen had a little bit of more of a reason to get a little salty with the Sanhedrin, but listen to some of the things he says because he just got like feisty on them. Listen to what it says in Acts 7, 51 through, 40, 51 through 53. It says this, You stubborn people. So let, let me kind of, kind of explain the setting a little bit more so you understand what's going on. These are all the Jews of the day that know everything about the Jewish faith. He's a dude that's been called to set up tables, he's nobody special but he's a man full of the Spirit of God, he's a servant, and and he's loved by all. He says this, you stubborn people, you are heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors did, and so do you. Name one prophet your ancestors didn't persecute. They even killed the ones who predicted the coming of the righteous one, the Messiah whom you betrayed and murdered. Who's the Messiah? Jesus, exactly right. You deliberately disobeyed God's law, even though you received it from the hands of angels. Like, if somebody's yelling at me saying that, I don't care if they're right. I'm about ready to fight. And that's what's going on with the Sanhedrin right now. These religious principles, like the principal's office, and he's standing there, and he's like, look, I'm not holding back the truth. Like, I know I shouldn't be doing this right now. Like, my life's on the line, but... This is what I'm supposed to preach right now. Like I know that God wants me to preach this. I know that God wants me to do this. So I don't really care what everybody else thinks. I don't care what everybody says. I don't care what I look like. I'm just gonna do what God's called me to do right now. And so he chews them out. And then I'm gonna continue along. I'm gonna read a little bit more than I normally would, but I just can't cut this story apart. So in verse 54, it says this. The Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation and they shook their fists at him in rage, meaning they wanna kill this dude. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and watched this, and saw the glory of God. No one can see the glory of God without dying. He saw the glory of God and saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Let me explain something to you real quick. So Stephen did what God called him to do. He was full of the Spirit of God. He was faithful. He served. He wasn't called to preach. He wasn't called to lead a church. He wasn't called to do this, this, and this in front of five thousand people. He was called to set up tables. Nothing special. He was just a servant. But then he was called to do what God called him to do and then he looked up to the heaven because he's getting ready to die. I'm gonna go ahead and tell the story. Spoiler alert. He looks up into heaven. The heavens open up. He sees the glory of God because God's not a person. God's a spirit. And then he looks next to the glory of God, whatever that looks like, at the seat of honor and Jesus stands up in honor of what he's doing. Nowhere in scripture does it say Jesus stood up at the throne of God except right here. Stephen was urgent about the message of Jesus. He was passionate about what he knew to be the only truth. He knew that a lot of people, these these Christians supposedly, these people that talked about Jesus, these Jews that that claimed that they know the Messiah and all that when they didn't know him, and he said, listen, I'm gonna tell them how it is. And this is what God's called me to do. And Jesus stands up at the right hand of God in, in approval of his life. Let me finish the story. Look, I see, this is what he says. He says, and he told them, look. And so he kind of forgets what he's doing for a moment. It's probably like an out-of-body experience, I guess you could say. Look, I see the heavens opened, and the Son of Man standing in place of honor at God's right hand. Then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting because they knew what he was saying was right and they couldn't take it. So they put their hands over there and they're like, no, I don't hear you, I don't hear you, because they don't wanna hear anymore. They're done, they're like, no, whatever, and then listen to what they do, it's crazy. They rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, who else was dragged out of the city, does anybody know? Jesus was. Dragged out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul, soon to be Paul, which is a missionary. Saul was first a murderer. Don't say God can't use you. Saul was probably the biggest terrorist in the Bible, and God ended up using him to write 13 of the New Testament books. And they shouted, they stoned him. Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then listen to what he says after this. Somebody's murdering him. Listen to what he says. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. He died. Stephen was committed. Till death does he part. Like he was committed. He was urgent for the message of Jesus. He was urgent for his relationship with Christ. And he knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that what he believed was really real. There was like no question about it. And so like a lot of times people question the New Testament and question the Bible and all that kind of stuff. Here's one reason I don't question the Bible because all the people that wrote it, they died for it. They disappeared when Jesus was dying, a lot of them did. But then when he came back to life, they were like, oh crap, this was real. What the heck was I doing? I don't know what they were thinking. I'm just kind of filling in the blank. But then they were like, all right, this is it. We're committed to this. And Jesus spent about 40 days with them. And then they went on and 11 of the 12 disciples died for their faith. They were killed for their faith, just like Stephen. And Stephen is the first recorded martyr. He had an urgency. He knew what he needed to do to tell people about Jesus. You know, there's been a lot of shooters today. People walk up in a church, killed, uh, I think it was 28 people, That could be wrong, it's outside of t- San Antonio, just a couple hours from us. You know, as I'm preparing for this message, it's about 10 o'clock, I'm kind of going over some stuff last night, about 10 p.m., I get an update on my wife's phone, and she says, active shooter in Reno, Nevada. I'm like, oh my goodness. I feel like every other day, there's a shooter that, that walks onto the scene and kills people. These scumbags, pansies, like, get a life. And, and it makes me think. A lot of people have had a gun pointed to their head and say, do you believe in Jesus? And you don't know what they're gonna say. We don't know what, what they're gonna say. I, I think beyond the shadow of a doubt. I think that I would say, absolutely, you can take my life. I think, and I've never had that done. We talked about a young lady a few weeks ago, Rachel Joy Scott from Columbine High School. I think I have a picture of that, I may not. I was, yeah, that's her. That's Rachel Joy Scott from Columbine High School on April 20th, 1999. She was the first of 13 students or teachers killed at a public high school. She's eating lunch outside with a friend. The shooters walk out of their car. There's a movie called I Am Not Ashamed. It's her life story, pretty much. You should go see it, you should watch it. It's probably Netflix or something walks up to her, shoots her three times. A couple minutes go by, I think they go shoot her friend, maybe walk inside, come back out, grab her by her hair, and this is a true account. It's been proven, people saw it, whatever. Grabbed her by her hair, because they knew that she was a Christian, because she preached Jesus frequently in her classroom, and she believed that she could have a huge effect for the name of Jesus. And I'm gonna tell some of her journal entries here in a minute. Grabbed her by her hair, and said, I wanna get this right. And they said this to her. They said, uh, where is it? They, They grabbed her by her head, and said, um... Shot three times, and before the final shot, the killer grabbed her by her hair and said, do you still believe in God? And she said, you know I do. So she's the first one that was killed of 13. Some crazy things, like prophetical crazy things that she did in her journal preparing for this incident. It's like God knew that, I mean, God obviously knew it was gonna happen, but it's like she knew it was gonna happen. It was crazy. These are some of the things that she said in her journal the previous year. She said this, this will be my last year. These are different journal entries. She said, I just wanna be used by God This is what she said to others, even though she's writing it in her own journal. This is a 17-year-old girl. She said, go after God, whatever it takes, do it. Don't give an excuse. I'm just a teenager. It doesn't work that way. God wants to know you now. She says that, and I guess she knew that her, her journal would be publicly proclaimed throughout the entire world. She did a project before death, and she said, I will give my life for him, or to him, one of the two. Then she says this, this will be my last year, Lord. I have gotten what I can. I don't really know what that means. And then she says, thank you. It's a 17-year-old girl, public high school, Colorado. April 20th, 1999. Yeah, it's a long time ago, but it still happens. And there's been a lot of shootings. There's a shooting in a school a couple months ago or a couple weeks ago in California. And she stood up for Jesus. She would have said, no, I don't believe in God. He still would have killed her. Nothing would have changed. But what if somebody comes in here pulls out a gun, he says, if you say you believe in Jesus, you're gonna die. If you say you don't believe in Jesus, you're gonna walk home. What are we gonna say? What am I gonna say? What are you gonna say? Because Rachel, Rachel Joy Scott, her, her story is proclaimed to millions of people all over the world. When she was 13 years old, she, she pulled her dresser out from behind, leaning up against her wall, drew her handprint and then on her handprint, she said, these hands will touch millions of lives. She had no idea. She died at 17 years old, and her hands, her story, has touched millions of lives. What are we gonna do if that happens? Like, if, if he's worth dying for, then I'm sure he's worth living for. And, and if he's worth living for, as many of us say, because we're, we say we're Christians and we wanna be faithful and be disciples of Jesus, then I'm sure he's worth dying for. But are we willing to die for the name of Jesus? Are we? And we can't really answer that question, but at the same time, you gotta think about it. You know, We're urgent about the most unurgent of things today. Stephen understood that, that something he was saying and something that he was doing was the most important thing in the entire world. Nothing was as urgent as that. She understood, and her friend Cassie Bernard was another Christian at the time that got killed. They understood that, that what she was doing by, by being a light in her school at Columbine High School and, and saying her last words, you know I do. Like, it was never a question for her. She used to say to her friends, it's crazy, her friends were given a testimony of this. Her friends would frequently say, you know, I'm gonna die for my faith. And they said, no, shut up, quit saying that. And they'd kind of laugh at her and she'd say, no, it's okay, like, it's a good thing, it's an awesome thing. And they'd be like, oh my goodness, quit, that's like morbid. But she was committed to Christ no matter what happened. She understood something as early as a 13-year-old. She had a chance to make an impact today because she knew she wasn't guaranteed tomorrow. Even at 17. She knew she had to make an impact today because she wasn't guaranteed tomorrow. And none of us are either. How many of us are gonna wake up in the morning and go to school, go to work, wherever we're gonna go? Probably most of us, probably all of us. But at the same time, we're not guaranteed that. That's why we should live every day as as if it's our last day. But a lot of times we're so concerned about the things that don't matter. What kind of urgency do you have for the things of Christ? What kind of urgency do you have for your friends that don't know Jesus? Do you have an urgency to know and share Christ with anyone and everyone around you? So you might ask the question, okay, so how do I develop an urgency? First of all, you need to develop your walks with Christ. You guys have heard that acronym before, read the word daily, attend church weekly, live right, Um, keep inviting your friends, serve regularly, you've heard that before, that's right right there. I encourage you just with the first one, that's a great place to start, we say that pretty much every week almost. Read the word daily. I tell you what, that's gonna help you develop your walks with Christ because you're gonna learn more about God by reading the word daily. And second thing is, quit being ashamed of Jesus. I remember when I was in college, a long time ago, about 45 to 65 years ago. Um, just joking, I'm not that old. Uh, y'all can't laugh, You're just, it's a serious moment, it's hard to laugh. I'm not 70 years old, for those of y'all thinking. Uh, thank you, thank you for that, Joel. Uh, but I remember when I was in college, it was about 15, 16, 17 years ago, um, I was very ashamed of Christ. I, I would, people would ask me, hey man, why don't you drink? Why don't you have sex? let say I'm a Christian. And I would frequently say that, but then when it say, hey man, tell me what you believe, and be like, oh, I mean, I believe in Jesus. And I, I, I would be afraid to talk about it. I was ashamed of Jesus. I was all about the moral aspect of my faith, not drinking, not having sex, not doing drugs, all that kind of stuff, so I looked like a Christian, but when it came to talking about my faith, I was just ashamed. And then I remember one time I went to a Bible study, and I was beginning to learn how to share my faith and tell people about Jesus, and I'm sitting on a fence, we should have a fence here so I could demonstrate it, I'm sitting on a fence, and this girl walks up to me, and she says, tell me what you believe, and I was like, well, all right, here we go. And so I just start rattling off the gospel and explaining to her what I've been studying over and over and over so I know how to communicate it. I just haven't done it much because I've been so ashamed. Then a friend walks up and another friend walks up and says, tell me what you're talking about. And before I notice, there's about 15 people sitting there listening to me. And I'm just outside of a fraternity house while people are getting plastered drunk. A couple of them are carrying a beer and I'm just sitting there and I'm like, look, this is a platform that I can't deny. And I'm just sitting here, i went just minding my own business. I gotta do what God's called me to do. And so I shared the gospel with about 15 people. I didn't I didn't ask them to be saved or anything like that. I didn't say, hey, come give it to everybody, bow your head, close your eyes. We want to get saved. I didn't do any of that. I just said, you know what, this is what I believe. This is what I believe. It's changed my life. It can change yours. If you want to talk about this, man, I'd love to talk to you about it. Um, and those of y'all that I don't know, man, thanks for thanks for listening to me. I don't want to preach at you, I don't want to yell at you. I was just telling a story to shit Sarah, and then y'all kind of jumped in and they're like, hey man, thanks for sharing that. Thanks for sharing that. <laughs> Sip their beer back and walk off. <laughs> I'm like, all right, well, that's fine. But, but at the same time, like when that happened, I began to understand, I don't have to be ashamed of this message anymore. Like when you share it in confidence and you're not ashamed of it, most people aren't gonna make fun of you. You will get made fun of. Jesus was, and so therefore you will too. But most of the time when you share it in confidence and you just communicate who you are and you just talk about it with openness, guess what, people a lot of times aren't gonna make fun of you. Sometimes they will, like I said, but a lot of times they're just gonna go, hey dude, he's just him being him, that's pretty cool and they're gonna mind their own business. Sometimes you might get made fun of. Oh well, guess what, Jesus was killed for his faith, for his story. Many other disciples were, Many uh, hundreds and thousands of other Christians were. But when I did that, I, I developed my walks with Jesus I began to read the word daily. I was attending church weekly. I was beginning to live right. I started inviting my friends. I was beginning to serve regularly. I wasn't doing all these things. But then, as I began to talk about it, I stopped being ashamed of the gospel, and everything changed. If we don't develop an urgency for the gospel and for our relationship with Christ, you know who will? The extremists. And they're the ones crying out in the name of God. And then guess what? People are coming to know their God, which isn't God at all, in droves. One of the fastest growing religions today is Islam. They don't know Jesus at all. And Jesus says in the Bible, I'm the way, the truth, and life, no one can come to the Father except through me. So therefore, they're not going to go to heaven according to Jesus, which we believe. And people are coming to know them in droves because they're urgent about what they believe. When are we gonna get urgent, students? Everybody bow your heads and open your hearts for just a minute. We're about to finish up. Let me just ask you this. I'm just going to ask you to be bold. Just be honest. And and I'm raising my hand. You're not looking, but I'm raising my hand right now. If you do not have extreme faith, if you're not urgent about your faith, would you just raise your hand? I'm raising my hand right now. I'm not urgent about my faith. I'm not extreme about my faith. If you don't have your hand raised, that means you're extreme in your faith. Thank you for being honest. Some of you are, some of you are like, okay, well, now I understand. I get it. Okay, you put your hand down. I appreciate the honesty. Thank you for that. Let me just ask you this. If you don't have a relationship with Christ and, and you'd like to know more about that, you're just intrigued. I'm not even saying, hey, this is the time you're gonna give your life to Christ. If, if, you just, if you don't have a relationship with Christ and you're curious about what that means, can I just ask you to raise your hand in the similar fashion you did just a second ago? You don't have a relationship with Christ, but you're interested in maybe having a conversation about it. Awesome, thank you so much ladies. See you in the back, thanks so much, appreciate that. Anybody else? got you dude, thanks man. Okay, here's what I, I got you, thanks man, appreciate it. It's about five or six of y'all, seven, eight, something like that. Here's what I want you to do. I'm gonna explain a little bit to you right now but then after this I want you to do something different than we normally do. We're gonna to go to life groups for a few minutes, just for like 15 minutes or something like that. Uh, but when we go to life groups, I want you to tell your life group leader, just say hey, you know what? I I wanna know more about Jesus. Some of y'all are in my life group, it's awesome, I'd love to talk to you about it. And just say, hey, I wanna know more about Jesus. And and life group leaders, I'd encourage you this, start out your life group by telling your story when you came to know Christ. Just, hey, you know what, when I was seven years old, when I was 14, when I was 50, I don't know, just tell your story. And then if that's you, you said, you raised your hand, you said, man, I wanna know more about knowing, about a relationship with Christ, talk to that leader about it. Because it says in the Bible, it says that Christ stepped out of heaven and stepped onto this earth. He lived a perfect life. He died a murderer's death. He died the death that we deserved. He lived a life that we couldn't live to die the death that we deserve. And when you understand you're a sinner, because here's the thing, every one of us has sinned and every one of us has deserved, to be honest with you, I deserve hell and I'm the first one in this room. Some of the things that I've thought, that I've said, that I've acted out, some of the things that I did when I was younger, I deserve hell for the things that I've done. And it says that even a lie, every one of us deserve to spend eternity in a real place called hell. And so it says in the Bible that even if you sin the minorest of sins, we deserve to spend eternity separated from God. And when you understand you're a sinner and realize there's nothing you can do because you can't be good enough, we cannot be. But then you say, you know what? I wanna surrender my life to Christ. You can have a relationship with Jesus, you can have a home in heaven, and your life can be brand new. And so those five to seven of y'all that raised your hand, if you want that relationship, just talk to to your leader. Just say, hey, can we we maybe, I don't wanna talk to you face to face, if I'm gonna be honest, can we just text about this? Can we just carry on a conversation because I'm just curious about what you have to say. And some of y'all might say, man, I don't even believe in God, but I'm just curious, because we wanna talk to you about it. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your grace. We thank you so much for your might, for your hand. Um, Lord, I just ask you in the name of Jesus Christ, those five to seven students, they've raised their hand and said, I'm just interested in this. I'm intrigued by all of this. That they'll start a conversation with those life group volunteers. And those volunteers, Lord, I just pray that you lay it on their heart that they need to talk to a student at any point. Put someone in their in their mind and their eyes and their heart and the entire time that, that short lessons going on that they'll just they'll just they can't help but be drawn to them and after they'll walk up to him and give him the boldness just like you gave Stephen to just walk up to him and go hey were you one of those seven that raised their hand Lord I just pray that every single one of those seven eight I don't know how many students that raised their hand will talk to one of our adults and just be bold and just ask the question what's it going to hurt. And Lord, I pray if there's any more that just hearing the story of Jesus and hearing the story of Rachel Joy Scott and hearing the story of Stephen, they're just, their heart's drawn to you and they desire to have a relationship with you. Lord, I I just pray if there's anyone, if there's anyone else, if there's anyone else that you'll just prick their heart to be drawn to you tonight. In Jesus' name I pray.